Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I am so glad you found us. And welcome back if you are an old friend. I am just so happy to get a few minutes today to share with you some things that I have been getting a lot of questions about. So I thought I would just take this time and this podcast to dive into this huge question about why girls are struggling more, it seems, with depression and anxiety in our culture. I get this question a lot from parents. I met with a mom even just last week, and it it does seem like uh, as we are here with our, our, our boots on the ground helping families, it does seem like we get a lot of questions about girls and social media and boys and video games. So today I'm going to just dive in and give you the reasons for this, because I think it will really help you parent your teen girl as well as your teen boy. But right now we're going to talk about the girls. And and if you have a boy, don't hit the pause button on the podcast, because even if you have all girls in your home, it, at some point there will be some boys um, dating the girls. And so you really do want to know why on both ends, on boys and girls. But let's just tackle this question. Why are girls facing so much depression? I don't think we can argue the statistics. Uh, you can look everywhere. You can just Google this anywhere. And of course, I can speak to the physicians that we work with. And we, we know that girls are struggling with depression. We know that 8.7% of women have some sort of depression and 5.3% of men do. So the numbers, this is across the board with every research study that you look at. It's not confusing. But let's look at some of the reasons. So let's just start with happiness. Jean Twinkie and her troop actually did an analysis of a million teenagers. And they found that teens who spend more time seeing their friends in person, exercising, playing sports, attending church services, reading, or even doing homework, were happier than kids who spent time on the internet, playing computer games, on social media, texting, using video chat versus in-person chat, or just watching TV. So we know that kids who spend more time online have fewer advantages than the kids who are spending their time in person. And this isn't my opinion. This is research and analysis done over many years for many groups, many size groups of kids. So in other words, every activity that didn't involve a screen was linked to more happiness. And every activity that did involve a screen was linked to less happiness. And we know that less happiness means more depression. The differences were very considerable. Teens who spent more than five hours a day online were twice as likely to be unhappy as those who spent less than an hour. You can look in the show notes and see some more details on this. So the next piece of this is the depression. So again, like I said a minute ago, women are nearly twice as likely as men to be diagnosed with depression. And the reason for this off the cuff, and I'm going to give you more detailed reasons for our teenagers, but in general, women tend to use more of an emotion-focused solution to their problems. <laughs> They're a little bit more emotion-focused. And what that means is they mull things over in their mind and 
think about them over and over while men tend to use a more problem focused, right? Men want to solve the problem and they use more of a distracting coping style to help them forget their troubles. And so does that not make so much sense? Why they play video games because it's distracting and it's helping them forget why they're depressed. (laughs) So maybe they are a little depressed, but they have uh, different coping strategies for it. Since 2010, depression, self-harm, suicide rates, all those statistics, all those rates have increased among teen boys, but the rates of all of these have gotten greater. They've increased even more in the teen girl population. In fact, girls are three times more likely to be depressed. And this is the, the age group between 10 and 14. There are three times as many 10 to 14 year old girls being admitted to the emergency room after a deliberate self-harm incident. There's more now than there was in 2010. And the suicide rate for adolescents has actually doubled since 2007. And so these are These are very serious things to look at. We are in the middle of a teen mental health crisis and girls, unfortunately, are at the center of this crisis. The rates of depression started to tick up just as smartphones became popular. So we know that digital media is playing a role. We know that boys and girls started using social media and smartphones around the same time, but what we're learning is that they are using it in a different way. Boys spend more time in gaming while girls are spending more time on their smartphones The interesting thing is that boys have a higher sensitivity to rewards, hence all that video game time, and girls have a higher sensitivity to losses. So let me say that again. Boys have a higher sensitivity to rewards and girls have a higher sensitivity to losses. Boys are also sensitive to losses, don't get me wrong, but if you have a a teen boy in your house or even a young boy in your house, you know that they can be super ugly to each other. And then 10 minutes later, they're out in the backyard playing football. This has always been amazing to me. I have four children. I have a daughter and then I have three boys and I could never understand. Well, y'all just had a big fight with your friend next door. And I turn around and look and 10 minutes later, they're out there playing hockey in the street. I'm like, whoa, if, if my daughter had a fight with a friend, I mean, it, it would be weeks sometimes before she could recover. So let's take a look at video games for a minute. Gaming involves different forms of communication when you compare it with social media. When your son is gaming, they are interacting with other people in real time, like on their headset, they could be talking to someone, but it's real time. It is not like social media and social media there, you know, it's not real time. So your daughter's on social media and she's not like real time. Now it's, it's pretty close to real time, but there is a brief pause before receiving a response. So do you see the difference in that brief pause? Boy, you can get stressed. You, your daughter is stressed, even if it's 30 seconds, you know, or even 15 seconds waiting. Oh no, is that person going to respond to me right away? And so her adrenaline goes up and she's getting stressed. Whereas with a boy, he's talking to his buddy in their real time, talking back and forth. The second thing about gaming is that it's really not portable. It's not as portable. I mean, it didn't ever used to be portable, but you know, they had their consoles everywhere, but in general, it's not as portable as a smartphone and social media. So think about this. Because it's not as portable, it's super hard for your 
your son to run out to the driveway with his friends to shoot hoops and still be playing video games at the same time, right? You can't really do that. You can't do that. So he has a natural stopping point. Now, not all games have a natural stopping point. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But the idea of playing video games has kind of a natural stopping point where a girl is on her phone all, her, all the time. She's She never leaves her phone. There's no natural stopping point there. And it interferes with face-to-face social interaction because her phone can be brought into to bed with her. She can bring it to the bathroom with her. She can bring it to school with her. And so it's this constant interference with her face-to-face. When your son runs out to play basketball in the driveway, he has his buddies out there that he gets this natural face-to-face time with them. And that's being social, of course. And your daughter tries to get her social time on her phone, but she's not getting the face-to-face. The other thing about gaming that's different is there's a leaderboard in gaming. And with this leaderboard, you earn your points, you you get your points from playing your game, you get rewarded. You know, remember that's really important to boys to get this reward. They're very sensitive to their rewards. They want to see their points because they're pretty competitive. But social media creates a very different kind of hierarchy. It, it's based on the number of likes and followers, and it's wielding all this social power. You know, images are photoshopped and the text actually uh, sometimes are crafted over, you know, 15 minutes. She's trying to write the perfect text. They're deleted. They're rewritten. They're deleted. They're rewritten. She's comparing herself with all these other people on social media. And of course, it's more likely to make you depressed when you have all this comparison. But for, for boys on their video game, it's pretty straightforward. They either won or they lost. End of story. No one is comparing necessarily their scores like you do in social media. To summarize that little piece, a teen girl's happiness is hinged on their social interactions on social media. And a boy's happiness tends to be on, you know, hey, mom, can I play Fortnite or not? Girls continue to face more pressure around their physical appearance. What's happening to your daughter while she's on social media? First of all, she's getting rejected. So let's dive into this. Kids are mean. Like, I'm just going to say it. You know, I have raised four middle school children in my house. And and I'm not saying that it's just middle school, but this mean thing really starts around fifth grade. And I mean, they can be mean before this, but this is when I started noticing it among my kids and their peers is they just say the ugliest things to each other. You know, I was just having a group of my teenage boys who are now 17 over at my house, a group of their friends over, and they were talking. I was in the kitchen probably making food for them because this is what I do. And I just heard them talk about how ugly they used to be when they were in middle school. It was fascinating for me to listen to them because they're in high school now and they were discussing their middle school years. And guys, can you believe how mean we were to each other? And they started giving examples and boy, did they remember. So it's hard for parents to understand this because we haven't been in middle school for a while. We can't understand how hard it is for teens to deal with this rejection and the meanness that goes on. We have the emotional tools to deal with it. They don't. Kids are really mean and they don't mean to be mean maybe in the way that you or I would mean to be mean, but it comes out in a very mean way. So they are rejecting their peers. It's sort of like the race to the top. Everybody's trying to get the most attention. I think the boys were saying the other night that, you want the most attention and you want to be the funniest. 
Girls are getting personally rejected on social media. Someone's not liking them. They're not invited to a party. They're not getting tagged in a photo and they're getting indirect rejection. And this indirect rejection comes via all the influencers that they are following. And what I mean by this, I mean, maybe this influencer isn't personally rejecting them, but they are getting depressed because they are reminded every day that they are not famous, that this other influencer, and it could even be an influencer in their grade. It doesn't even need to be a real public influencer, but they're reminded every day that they are the ones that are not famous, that this other person is famous. And kids and teens, they have this very strange idea in their head that they need to be famous. So this rejection comes all the time. What I have learned from the research is that the pain from rejection is no different from physical pain. When we look at MRI studies, we can actually see the area of the brain that is activated when you have a broken leg is the same area of the brain that is activated when you are experiencing this social pain. All humans have a fundamental need to belong. It is a survival need, just like food and water. We also have a need for positive relationships. We rely on these social groups for survival. So when we are getting rejected by our social group, our brain kicks in and you literally feel physical pain. Social rejection increases your daughter's anger, her anxiety, her jealousy, her sadness, but it also reduces her ability to perform intellectual task. It reduces her impulse control, her immune system, and even sleep. Just the lack of eye contact can be interpreted as social rejection. So even just that can trigger these things I just mentioned. Not being invited to a party can trigger these things. Something happens on her social media and she's rejected and she got hurt. So she starts to enter this appraisal stage, it's called. And this is where she's evaluating, what do I do next? I was just hurt by my group of friends that I desperately need. She's got a few choices. She can either seek inclusion somewhere else and attempt to reconnect with some other groups that she might have, or she may tailor and change her behavior to fit in with this group that has rejected her. She's trying to conform to them. So she's trying to be more like them. So she starts to study. What is it about this group of friends that I need to do to be more included in this group? So she tries to start to comply with the group. Now, can you see how she's starting to lose her identity when she does this? Now, this is all because she got rejected and she's trying to fix it. She can choose that path to be friendlier, try to adopt, try to conform, um, or she can choose path two and she can be mean and she can be a bully and she can respond with aggression and she can lash out and she can reassert her sense of control. And we all know that this is the root behind why kids bully other kids. 90% of bullies out there have been rejected somewhere by their peer group. And that's why you feel so sorry for them because they are perpetuating the rejection because they're acting like a bully. And you know, you want to tell your kid, don't act like a bully and then you'll have some friends, right? So she has these two paths, either to fight them or to join them. Now let's talk about what leads to chronic rejection, because you know, we might be able to handle this if it was just every now and then, if your daughter just was rejected every now and then, then you would talk to her about it and teach her how to deal with it. And we all need to learn how to deal with rejection. 
But the problem is your daughter's not just being rejected a little bit here and there. She's being rejected chronically. Why does social media, why does that lead to this chronic rejection that I'm talking about? First of all, there's 24-7 access. She's on it 24 hours a day. And because of this, she never comes home to regroup and recharge with her parents. Back in the day, before we had social media, our teenagers would get rejected at school. They would come home at three o'clock or five o'clock after their band practice, and they got a break. And, and that rejection could kind of heal. The pain from that rejection can, can heal. And your mom and dad love you, and they made you dinner, and you start to feel better, and you start to talk to them about maybe what happened during the day. And then by the time school started the next day, you were a little bit healed from that rejection. But our kids don't get that anymore. And the other problem is because they have 24-7 access, they're becoming so peer-oriented, they have truly left their home. And they've left not only the safety, but just the protection of their parents. And they've prematurely shifted over to their peers for these answers and for this approval. And this is why their rejection is so prevalent. It's it's just they're getting rejected more than they're being loved in the digital world, in their virtual world. I mean, just imagine being a teenager right now. I just want you to imagine what it must be like never to really come home, never to put it down, never to just be and be in the presence of your parents who you know love you unconditionally. The other reason why this rejection becomes so chronic in nature is because the person that's mean to you, they're not just being mean to you, but it's being advertised publicly all over social media that that person was mean to you. Everyone sees that you were rejected. Remember when you were in middle school and somebody was mean to you that might have happened on the playground or or at lunch or in the hallway, but the whole school didn't get to see that person said something ugly to you. So that compounds the rejection. The final thing was the chronic rejection is there because our kids are perpetuating it because they are teenagers and they are at the highest risk-taking stage they will ever be in their life. And so they're taking risk on their social media and they're putting things out there more so than you or I would. There are devastating results and our teenagers are giving up. They're becoming isolated and lonely and to make things worse as if they could get worse. All right, I'm going to get positive here in a minute, but I just got to tell you the rest of the bad news. Studies tell us that the actual pain from rejection dysphoria is at its peak at the age of 15 for girls. So this means that the pain of rejection will be stronger than any other time in a girl's life. It'll be stronger when she's a teenager than any other time in her life. And then we give her social media. Social media is all about rejection. Girls care deeply about not being rejected. One day you're adopted and accepted into the group. And then five minutes later, you're not accepted anymore because someone hates your earrings. Well, they didn't really say that they hated your earrings, but you know, because you're a teenage girl and you, you exaggerate that a bit and it feels like they hate you because they didn't comment on your earrings, but they commented on your girlfriend's earrings and everybody liked her earrings, but they didn't comment on yours. Even though you said in your post that you got some new earrings. Do you see where I'm going with this? They kind of make up the drama around it. With girls, the rules for their social currency change, like maybe even every second. It's all determined by other teenage girls. I cannot imagine anything worse. They are setting the rules and they are changing the rules all in the same experience. So putting things into perspective is very difficult for the teen brain, especially when these rules are changing by the minute. It's very stressful. 
their brains are not fully connected yet. Their judgment center is not finished. They do not have the ability to break this down the way you and I do. We already said their risk taking is high. So taking social risk on Instagram may get you in trouble. They can't handle the outcome. Then they regret it. And this regret leads to the anxiety and depression. So you have the rejection followed by the regret. Why did I wear these earrings today? Why didn't I wear the hoops? The hoops are the ones getting the most likes today. So in order to heal this rejection and try to reverse this path a little bit, we have to look at the role of science in friendships. Our brain is the social piece of our existence and and we have to take care of it. But the science says like any muscle, there's a limit. There are limitations to how many friends that you can have. Humans depend intensely on social bonds for survival. It's the very fabric that our life is made of. And so we're very frantic if we don't have enough friends. So we get this idea in our head that we need tons of friends in order to survive. But the science says that you really only need three to five good friends in that intimate, close circle. Your daughter only needs three to five good good friends, but I'm talking about good friends. I'm talking about friends that are going to be really loyal to her. According to science and the science of the human brain, according to Robin Dunbar, and we'll put the the notes to this below, 150 is the maximum amount of friends that you can have. And these are people that you connect with maybe once a year. And that sounds like a Christmas card list. You don't connect with these people, these 150 people every day. But what are our kids doing, especially our daughters? They're trying to have 150 friends every day, or maybe only 50 or 15, but regardless, it's too much. They only need to connect with a few friends every day, and they need to do that in person. And I do recommend during the teenage years that you have friends from different groups. You have your volleyball team friends, and you have your school friends, and you have your neighborhood friends, and you have your church friends. Do try during this time of her life to get some friends from different groups, because when one group fails her, she will need friends from another group. Teens are intelligent. We say this all the time, but they are not mature. They are not able to figure this out. They need you as their parents to help them figure out why they're getting so stressed. They need to cut back on how many kids they're trying to be friends with. And they, they desperately need to focus on a few good friends. As you listen today and as you're out there thinking about your childhood, if you can think and count two or three good friends growing up, you were blessed. You are among the blessed because many kids today don't even have one good friend. They are trying so hard to navigate this social terrain that they are getting sick. They are getting anxious. They're getting depressed. It's physically too hard The emotional investment that they are trying to make in 50 friends even is making them sick. Boys don't have the same emotional investment in social media as girls do. They're getting depressed still, don't get me wrong, but it's usually over gaming and pornography. So in summary, girls are more at risk than boys. Girls are feeling the rejection pain most during adolescence, and it is very much like physical pain. It is peaking right now during their adolescent years, and it is caused by their social media. They have tried to shift their friendship need 
over to the social media world and it is not working. It is making them more depressed, more isolated. But most importantly, I believe that those two things are super bad and important to think about. But I think even worse than that, they are changing their identity over who they are. They're changing their personalities because they're trying so hard to fit in. That's the bad news. Let's talk about the good news for a minute and then we're going to wrap up. How are we going to solve the problem? Screen Strong is all about solving the problem. We can talk about the problem. As you know, I could talk for hours and hours and hours about the problem. We have a lot of people out there that are talking about the problem. There's so there's so many websites and books and all sorts of things talking about the problem, but we are really focused at Screen Strong over solving the problem. So what I'm going to give you here is just, I'm going to give you a list of some tips that you can do to help solve this problem in your teenage daughter's life. First of all, you know what I'm going to say. You know what the first thing is. You have to get her off of social media. She needs a good long break. She needs to start figuring out how to have friends in person again. So you got to get her off. It's really simple. It's just like any other problem with any other addiction or any other dependency or anything else, anything else that's making you depressed, then you need to reevaluate and stop doing that thing and try to do some new things. Look at it from a coach's perspective. If you are still going to allow social media, which I'm, I'm not judging you whatsoever. If you want to allow social media in your family, that's fine. But I recommend that you have a family social media account. You have the Smith family Instagram. You let your kids on it with you, co-viewing, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes a day, not 24 hours a day. Think of it kind of like dessert. Not every day, not every meal, not three times a day, and to be enjoyed with people and not alone in the closet. (laughs) We know, of course, on on that note, that bigger screens are always better than little screens. So co-view your Instagram account on your laptop with your daughter every few days if this is something that she needs to do to feel included. But it is never good to have social media on on our phone. And it's never really good. It, it, it's, it's never really good to have it on, on our phone. And it's definitely not good to have it on your kid's phone. So this is where our Gab phone comes in. You, you don't even have an option to put it on there. The second tip is to plan in-person time every week at your house with your daughter and her friends with phones being left in a basket at the door. I'm not talking about having teenage girls over to all sit around the sofa and look at everybody's Instagram. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real in-person time every week. Put this on your calendar like you would schedule their dentist appointment. You want to schedule this in-person time every week. Don't let weeks go by without having your daughter in person with her friends, because she's got to start collecting some hours with her friends. She's not going to be able to do this on her own. And I always say, start making food. Teenagers are like little birds. Uh, You know, they'll come to the house if you feed them. So that's why we have bird feeders out in our house. We love to watch the birds. And if the bird feeders are empty, then we have no birds. So um, I think about that all the time as I'm making lots of different food for all the kids that come to our house. So in-person time every week, make your house the fun house. Get to know your daughter's friends. This is huge. Big tip here. Don't just say hi as they walk in. Sit down and just spend a minute with them. Well, how are you doing this week? How's your mom? Tell me about your sister. What's your brother doing? In he on the soccer team? Get to know your daughter's friends. 
have them over for dinner sometime, just at your table, just at your dinner table. I'm not talking about making pizza and sending them all out to the porch. I'm talking about have your daughter have her friend over and have her join your family dinner time with your husband, with the brothers, you know, get to know, you know, it takes a, a village. It does. It takes a village to raise our kids. The next tip is to get your daughter a journal. Yes, a paper journal. Go to the store, get a journal today. Get get a, get a cute one. Get her whatever one you think she would really like. And encourage her to start writing her thoughts down instead of publicly sharing every private thought that comes into her head. In the old days, this is what we did. We had lots of private thoughts and we wrote them down in our journal every night. It was our little friend that we got to talk to every night. This was so healthy. And mental health experts say that writing down your thoughts is one of the most positive things you can do for your mental health. Get your daughter a journal. And by the way, get your son a journal too. It just doesn't need to be pink and have stickers maybe all over it. But think about getting your kids a journal. Schedule downtime in your house without screens for your daughter. So what this means is she needs to pick up a little hobby like reading or knitting or crocheting or some kind of artwork or handwork, exercise, walking. And I'm not talking about putting iPods in her ears and uh, listening to crazy music and getting her more stressed. I mean, music is fine. I hate the pods. I hate the ear things for kids. Because it disconnects them, it feels like, from what's happening in the real world. But time alone with your thoughts. Most kids can't do this. We need to teach them how to be alone. This is so helpful. We learn a lot about meditation. We learn a lot about quiet times. This is very, very helpful. So schedule the downtime. And you literally have to look at your day and look for 30 minutes at least on when your daughter is going to get some downtime. And show it to her and say, honey, when, when are you going to get your downtime today? Next, you want to focus on parent attachment during the teen years. We talk about parent attachment during young years and the toddler years and the preschool years, but I am here to tell you that I feel like parent attachment is almost more necessary during the teen years than it is any other time. This means that you spend time with them focusing on some traditions some traditions you might do with your daughter, maybe once a week, you take her somewhere just to get coffee. You want to focus on physical hugs, physical touch. You know, we're all on our screens so much that we're, we're touching our screens more than we're touching our kids. So you've got to hug her. You have to touch hug lots of long hugs. You know, I think it's 20 seconds after 20 seconds, if you hug your daughter for 20 seconds, then she starts getting oxytocin and that's that bonding chemical. And that's a natural anecdote to depression. Our kids are not getting hugged enough. And if, let me add this as a PS, this is just a PS. If your daughter doesn't get hugged enough by you and her dad and her family, then she will go find a boy to hug her somewhere because she's craving this touch. When your teen moves from pre-adolescent through adolescent, they take a U-turn. And this really isn't contributed to their hormones, it's their, their developing brain. They want you to be present with them. Kids are so proud of their parents. Your daughter doesn't need to be rejected by you. She's being rejected by 
the very hard to manage social media world out there. She does not need to be rejected by you. Whatever you can do today, this is what's so cool about this. You can start this right now. You can start this the minute she walks home from school today. You don't have to prep for this. You don't have to study a whole lot. You don't have to read a bunch of books. You've got what you need right now to reverse early stages of depression in your teenage daughter's life. I cannot explain how much your daughter needs you, mom, and you, dad, to pay attention to her, to focus on her. And I'm not talking about being over over parenting here. I'm not talking about being over controlling. I'm not talking about being the helicopter parent. I'm talking about being present with her. And I know it's really hard to hear this because we're all busy and we all have a lot to do. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to give you some really good, good tips. So let me just sum them up and then we're going to wrap up, get her off of social media, plan more in-person time every week with her friends, get to know her friends, invite them over for dinner, get your daughter a journal, schedule downtime, teach your daughter how to have healthy downtime. And you can enjoy downtime with her side by side, but teach her how to do this. Focus on what you can do this week to attach better with her. Don't think of the teen years as the years where they leave your house. They don't. When you spend less time on your screens, when your kids are home, when they walk in in the afternoon, that should be your goal. Focus on the traditions you have of getting together with her once a week. Focus on how much you are physically hugging your daughter and focus on being present with her more this week. I think that when you start doing these things, you will see this heaviness lift. She may buck and stomp and roll her eyes and go ahead, let her roll her eyes. That's fine. That's what teenagers do. Don't get in her drama. Just give her the pathway. Give her the way out. She may just be begging you to take away her social media. So many kids, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I don't mean to get emotional about this, but so many kids are just begging for their parents to do this. You know the answer. You have the pathway and you're going to go save your daughter. So we're going to wrap up. And if you were here in the audience in front of me, we would all be crying. I think I'm sorry. <laughs> but Screen Strong is that pathway. We've got answers for you. Go to ScreenStrong.com and get more information on how to get involved. I, I hope you all enjoyed listening today. Um, we want you to get your kids back. We have a detox that you can take just, you know, seven days or 30 days to get your kids off. We're going to help you do this. If you haven't joined the Screen Strong Families Facebook group yet, make sure you do. You've got to get support. The only way that you are going to get help with this is to get help from other families that are walking this path with you, just like I have and just like all the parents in our group have. Make the switch and get a gab phone. Just tell your daughter, hey, we're going to we're gonna do this for a month. We're going to use this phone for a month. Use our code from our site. You'll get a discount. The code is strong. Just make the switch to give her a break. 
we have our new Kids Brains and Screens course and our solution course is coming along and we are so excited about this. So start planning right now. Start planning a group of about five moms that you can get together or five dads or five couples that you can get together and go over this course together. Learn together with your friends and create your village for your daughter. Create her tribe. She needs a group to belong to, a group outside of social media. So what's your homework today? Your homework is to share this podcast with five of your friends. Think about your daughter's friends. Maybe start with those moms. Share this podcast with those moms and let's get the word out. We can't do it without your help. Please email us with questions at team at screenstrong.com. If you are in a situation now with your, your kids and you're dealing with this depression and stress and anxiety, remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.